Okay, so just to introduce myself, I'm Lydia, the line dancing loan officer. Well, everyone's favorite line dancing loan officer because prove me wrong, it's too specific. So <laughs> I'm um, here working with the Lone Lady Club and with Joanna. Hi, I'm Joanna. I'm the owner of the Lone Lady Club. I've been in the mortgage industry here locally for 17 years, and we went independent three and a half years ago and became I became self-employed. Um, Lydia has been a loan officer for a couple of years, and I'm super grateful that she chose to hang her license with me. Um, and through my mentorship, one of the things that she's learned and become an expert at is helping self-employed consumers obtain residential home loan financing. Okay, um, there's a need in the market because it's underserved. And the primary reason why self-employed people are discriminated against, for lack of a better term, um, is it's a not issue on the loan officer's part. And it's also an issue where we live in California, our tax rate is expensive. Also, federal tax rates can be really expensive. So bookkeepers and CPAs are doing everything possible to um, add all the qualified deductions and expenses to gross income, right? Because their job is to help you save money on taxes, but it's often counterintuitive when trying to qualify for a home loan. However, the savings by adequately writing off all your expenses and all your deductions with taxes is often massive, right? So you don't want to lose out on those deductions and pay Uncle Sam a bunch of money. So there is um, non-traditional mortgage products that are far better than paying a bunch of taxes for two years in order to qualify per, you know, traditional mortgage guidelines. Um, so we want to talk to you and give you just a high-level overview of a few of those programs that are targeted towards self-employed people and making home loans more possible. But I also want to touch on um, just some basic knowledge about why are the why is the income um, diminished so much? So just real quickly, I was going to start yeah. out with um, hang on, let me share this screen. It's this one, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So this right here is a Schedule C. If you are a sole proprietor or you receive a 1099, you're uh, considered self-employed. You're going to be filing um, a Schedule C, which is a profit and loss statement with the IRS. This is an example, a, a real life example of um, a Schedule C that was filed with the IRS. And I just want to show you really quickly. Can you see my mouse on here? Can yeah, yeah, we can. Okay. So most people, when we ask them how much money that they made in their self-employed sole prop, they're going to be communicating what's on line one, right? What's their gross income. But what the bank actually does is we actually look at line 31, what's ever on this line, plus a couple of magic boxes. So we're only going to give you credit for line 31. So like these supplies right here for 11494 that's being subtracted from the annual qualifying income for underwriting purposes on all traditional credit mortgage loans. Um, and a lot of times people have a lot more expenses. Same thing here in line nine. This is not a qualified deduction, so it can't be added back into line 31. So I wanted to let you know that if you're able to take your write-offs in a couple of magic boxes, the bank can add that income back to line 31 and give you credit for it. So I just wanted to tell you that the ones that are qualified deductions would be line 12 for depletion and line 13 for depreciation, as well as any business use of home, which is line 30. If you don't have those deductions, then you're not gonna be able to take them. But if you do, you wanna maximize them. They're not gonna hurt your qualifying income on a mortgage loan. Um, there is an ugly box, that's gonna be line 24B. It's gonna, we're gonna hit you twice. If you take travel and meals deductions, 
not only does it come off your gross and we're hitting it for you there, we're going to hit you again on your net income. Why? I don't know. Ask Fannie Mae. They do all kinds of weird things and they're the ones that determine how income is calculated. Okay. So <clears throat> this is a, a common problem for self-employed people is like, we make 140,000, but at the end of the day, our tax guy's like really good and got our net income down to 40,000. Well, now we don't qualify for a home loan, but it may not make sense to pay taxes. So one of the things um, that the bank can do for you is we can uh, qualify self-employed folks based on the monthly deposits into your bank account. And um, some business owners haven't set up a business bank account. That's actually okay. So it can be a personal bank account for the deposits, or it can be a business bank account, and it's a minimum of 12-month history. So if your loan officer doesn't have a bank statement loan, then that's a sign that they're not really set up to serve the self-employed community, okay? What they're going to do is just tell you to pay higher taxes for two years and then, and then come back to them, which is a, a big disservice to the majority of us. Um, another loan would just simply be based off your profit and loss statement. So let's say, for example, somebody came to me and in 2020 they had a year, but in 2021 they got sick and they didn't earn a lot of money. Well, traditionally the banks are gonna only, they're gonna conservatively only use that bad year, which isn't a true representation of what you earn. So in that case, we would pivot into the year to date earnings, right? Six months of this year have already went by. Your CPA can give us a projected profit and loss statement for this year. And as long as you've been in business for two previous tax years, we can just use your exact current income and keep it pushing. Um, these products require 10% down. So that's really that. And the interest rate will be a little bit higher. But right now, the cost to obtain money is low anyways. So um, it can often be better to take an interest rate that's 1% higher and still reap the benefit of all your tax deductions. So you're going to want to work with your CPA and with us to project out what is going to be better for you long term. Um, and oftentimes, the reason why self people get discriminated against their loan officer won't even call them back is because the loan officers are not trained on how to cash flow tax returns and I mean just a basic schedule C um, not to mention for those of us that have incorporated into a regular corporation an LLC or an S designation for S Corp those require cash flowing not only the personal return but also the business returns for two years the loan officer has to understand how the returns talk to each other and for the majority um, of loan officers, that that's not something that's common knowledge. I, I've got to say like less than 5% of loan officers are able to eyeball that and accurately underwrite and calculate your income. So the reason why they hang up on you is number one, they don't know the answer. And number two, um, they have to wait for their underwriter to calculate your income and get back to you. So like if you're trying to buy a house and you're not in contract yet, your income will never be calculated properly because there is no underwriter until you've actually went in a contract on a home. So oftentimes what happens is that the loan officer gives a pre-approval based on the false understanding of the taxes. And during underwriting, when you're already invested, you know, your wife or your boyfriend or whoever is already planning on where the couch is going to go, they're emotionally attached, you've invested money in inspections and appraisal, you get a call for your loan officer letting you know that you need a co-signer or you need some extreme amount of money down to, to fix the problem. So there's a lot of reasons. Yeah, absolutely. I went through four brokerages, some nationally renowned brokerages, and I never learned or was taught how to cash flow the, the taxes at all until I came here. So getting like getting your loan officer license and getting licensed in the States, they don't teach you something this specific. So it's highly possible that you can be speaking with a loan officer, but they haven't been taught something as detailed as cash flowing these taxes.
Mm -hmm. Let's say your business had a great year cash flow wise and you were able to sock a bunch of money away into, let's just say, a regular savings account, right? Although you might want to be looking at the stock market because it's crashing, so you can probably pick up some good deals. But anyways, let's just say you put it in a savings account, okay? Um, there's another way around all of this. If you've done your estate planning or you can create a revocable living trust, it's actually pretty easy. Um, I think the, the standard cost for that is like $2,000, maybe $2,500, depending on how good your attorney is and what's included in the package. You can go and um, revest the name of your savings account or your checking account into the living trust. So essentially, you just put the asset in the trust. And now it suddenly becomes magical income for a traditional home loan, a conventional Fannie Mae 30-year fixed mortgage loan, as long as the balance um, divided by 36 covers the payment. So the idea is that if you have 36 months of the total principal interest taxes and insurance monthly payment in a savings account that's in a trust, now it's magically okay. Fannie Mae rules. Fannie Mae rules. So um, <laughs> it's like, please, please do not miss uh, reducing your taxable income because you're trying to qualify for a home loan without speaking to somebody who specializes in helping self-employed folks. And I don't know why they don't teach it. I do know that for the first five years of my career, whenever somebody was self-employed, it led to a massive resistance in me to want to actually work on it because we were so untrained. So I just learned through crying and um, just multiple years in the business until I became self-employed as a sole proprietor and began to understand. And then I incorporated and then I added an S election. So through doing my own taxes, is how kind of some of the pieces of the puzzle fit together. And so we're constantly on social media talking to people who've been declined for home loans that actually do qualify with a bank statement program or putting money in a trust, or um, there's a few other, the PL method, or if you're purchasing an investment property, there's a loan out there called DSCR where the form of qualifying is simply fair market rent on the appraisal. If it's more or equal to the monthly mortgage payment, it's that's it. There's no tax returns reviewed, no income statements reviewed. It's you're purely qualifying based on the collateral spare market rent as opposed to the mortgage payment. So these are all ways that our um, self-employed clients are qualifying and, you know, not getting the short stick when we're reviewing options. So another thing, too, that can make it easy to qualify for a home loan is if you pay yourself wages. So if you out of your business, like, um, for example, on S corporation, you're required to pay yourself wages. So if you pay yourself a monthly salary or you pay yourself wages, it doesn't have to be on a regular frequency. But if it's reported on your taxes for a minimum of two years, the wages you pay yourself can be used for qualifying. And then in addition, any profit on top of that can be a separate income item. Um, some of the reasons why paying yourself can be easier is because some programs out there, like let's say it's a first time home buyer and they want to utilize a grant or um, a special first time home buyer product. Some of those have income limits, but it, we can use the qualifying income off one of the sources, either the profit or the wages that you pay yourself only. So we can pick and choose what income we use in order to um, stay under that income limit. And it's totally above board because only the qualifying income on the mortgage application counts towards their scoring system. So that's a way where a self-employed person might miss a huge opportunity 
because the loan officer isn't picking and choosing which income cash flow buckets to use for qualifying. And so they could maybe inadvertently tell the person, I'm sorry, you don't qualify, your income exceeds the limit, when in fact there were several viable options for them to qualify. And like, I'm not just talking about, you know, a $5,000 grant or $1,000. There's one right now on the market through California Housing Finance Agency for a 10% of the home price and it's forgiven after five years. It depreciates 20% each year. So for example, if you're buying a $500,000 home, they're gonna give a grant for $50,000 to cover down payment and closing costs that you do not have to repay. So can you imagine if your loan officer didn't know how to divvy up or cash flow your self-employed taxes and cost you $50,000 in free money? So <laughs> there's that. Um, <laughs> what else you got? Um, is it possible to see like, or are you supposed to answer questions later? Or I'm not sure who specifically our crowd is. I see life insurance. I didn't realize I was muted. <laughs> um, so yeah, we can totally do a question and answer. We can totally do a Q&A for the next, uh, you know, ten, next 10 minutes or so. Does that work for you guys? Yeah, sure. Does anybody have any questions or had an experience with home loans or home loan financing that you want to throw out? I do. Yeah, what you got, Michael? Well, you know, you don't realize how important your, your home loan or your mortgage broker is until you're ready to close. When you show up at that table and they're not prepared or they don't show up that day or there's still outstanding paperwork to be done, it's, it's really stressful. So it's important to know how to hire a mortgage broker, you know, or somebody who does mortgage loans. So you need to do your due diligence, make a list of what you're looking for because you could be really surprised at the end of the, of the closing hmm. yeah absolutely that's so true in fact that really sparked my brain about how self-employed people are treated differently because what you're actually talking about too where things at the end may not be done on a traditional home loan guys um there is something called the consumer financial protection bureau and there are guidelines for a real estate settlement act so disclosures and timelines of rescission where you can review a document have three days to marinate on it ask questions and potentially cancel, right? But in your arena um, where we're doing non-qualified mortgages or non-traditional financing, they are not subject to that government supervision or those disclosure requirements. And so that's how um, that can happen where you show up at the closing table and it's not ready. Also, the broker that you choose, they need to have multiple relationships with uh, lenders that have these non-traditional mortgage products. And the reason why is as COVID happened, as margins collapse and, and inflation soars in the mortgage market, these non-traditional mortgage lenders are shutting down and imploding like 2008, right in the middle of someone's transaction. So let's say you lock in an interest rate of 5% and you're super jazzed because it's locked for 30 days. There are banks out there who are just coming back and saying, nope, we're not gonna honor the lock agreement. We're contractually don't have to, we're filing bankruptcy, we're done. That just happened to a huge mortgage lender, First Guarantee Mortgage Corporation, or known as FGMC. They were one of the major leaders in helping self-employed people. They didn't hedge correctly. They didn't raise their rates when they needed to, and it collapsed. So sometimes if you <coughs> a bank and all of a sudden, you know, they're kind of peddling snake oil, they're offering a 4.75, but everybody else is at 6%, Bet your lock's not going to get honored. It's going to fall apart while you're in processing. So your mortgage broker is super important because we got to stay ahead of that. So I'm constantly reviewing asset statements, profit and loss statements from these lenders to make sure they're solvent and that your loan's not going to collapse. Because over my dead body, would something like that happen to one of my consumers in escrow? Um, 
but just having the ability to move your loan brings up another point. What he had mentioned is the difference between a mortgage broker and a mortgage banker. And sometimes people think, oh, a mortgage broker, I'm going to pay some middleman or they're going to charge me a bunch of fees. But actually, no, what it is is like, let's imagine that you want to buy the coolest Nike shoe that you've ever could think of in your life. If you go to Famous Footwear, there's going to be about like four, maybe five different models of Nike shoes for you to select from. That's a bank. They have certain products on the shelf. They have boxes. And if you don't fit in that box, it's see you later. Sayonara. What you want to do is go to the Nike factory, look through the catalog and build your shoe from the ground up for no additional cost. That's what a mortgage broker is. So we have access to over 100 different banks. If the product or program exists, then a mortgage broker can access it. So you just want to look and make sure that that broker is not charging you excessive fees for, for providing that service. Right on. We got a, it looks like we've got another question here. Uh, Carolyn had her hand up first and then we got Paul right after that. Are you, do you lend only in California? Okay, such a good question. <laughs> no, we are licensed in almost every state. If you want to buy an igloo in Alaska, I got you. A wigwam in Texas, we can do it. The only state I will never lend in is New York, okay? That is a whole different ball game and I don't want any part of it. <laughs> okay. Unless I'm on vacation. So, what about what about veteran loans? That's a big help. 34% of my uh, book of business are veterans loans. So the veteran loan is the best loan in the market as it should be. Um, and you want to be careful. There's two different types of VA loans. There's a federal veterans administration loan, which is the way to go. There's also a loan called CalVet. That's actually um, accessible if somebody had doesn't have entitlement on a federal VA home loan, but it's a lot more expensive and it's funded through the state. Um, a, a veteran who has been rated any portion of disabled as a result of their service, um, that'll be something where the funding fee is waived. So on a VA home loan, the, the massive benefit is that it's 0% down payment and the lowest interest rate on a 30-year fixed home loan that you can find in the market. Um, a, a negative aspect of a VA home loan is that it only works for primary residents. So your intention has to be um, to occupy the home within 60 days. And there is a policing program for that. So you can't use it to buy a vacation home or an investment property. And another thing to watch out for on a VA home loan, there are instances where a conventional loan is better because the VA charges a funding fee, like a pay to play. So if you're going to owe um, 300000 at the end of the day with the funding fee, you're actually going to be financing more like 312000 The VA charges a 3.6% funding fee on money used unless you're exempt because of a service-connected disability rating. So having a mortgage broker who's knowledgeable about that is important. Also, if a veteran is trying to take money out on a property, banks will limit the amount that they can take out. They will tell them, oh, I'm sorry, you don't have enough equity. But what they won't tell them is if you go to the Nike factory and leave Foot Locker, you can absolutely obtain the loan that you want. So it's super important for the mortgage person to be understand what does their company offer and what is available in the open mortgage market? Because just tell the truth. If you don't have access to that box, go ahead and refer them to someone like me and take care of the client, right? So yeah, good, really good, really good question. Um, right on. Home Wow, you are smarty pants. They told they told me that you can't fund 100% on a VA. You can only do 90%. And they didn't tell, like, that's what they trained me. And I thought that's just the way it was. Like, right. they didn't say that it was an overlay for the brokerage. Uh, they didn't really. Yeah. And they also don't say if you have a, you had, like, I had a primary one as a VA. I paid it off. And now I was going for my second one, right? They, the rules are different for you the second time you get your VA loan. 
Yeah, subsequent financing, it means that you pay a lower funding fee. However, the VA entitlement has to be restored. So the mortgage broker, so someone like me, we're gonna white glove it to where the consumer is not gonna be doing anything. If it's at all possible through for me to do it on someone's behalf, I'm taking care of that stuff behind the scenes. So we actually have access to a VA portal. A banker at Wells Fargo or at Safe Credit Union or Fairway Mortgage, they don't have direct access to the VA portal. They have to go through a different department, a processor, whatever. Here, we're just gonna pop in there. We're gonna pull the certificate of eligibility. We're gonna instantly know whether it needs to be restored and we're gonna get the necessary document signed in order to be able to do that. And we're talking about a 72 hour process in one scanned document. And you would think that it's like, you're trying to pray to your higher power and move a mountain. It's a fact. Wow. I, yeah. so I, really I wish I had you when I bought my second home. Oh my God. Well, right. I bet it's not the last time you'll really? ever have a need for home loan financing. So we hope we aim that, you know, we're the first person that you call because we'll tell you the truth. So like, for example, yeah. um, we have turned down at least 15 people that are my longtime clients in the last two weeks who wanted to take 10, 15,000 out in equity because I refinanced them last year at in the twos and interest rates are about double that right now. So I know it's a huge disservice to raise someone's payment, $900 a month and double the rate to give them $10,000 to put in a new lawn. So what we're gonna do is pivot and go with a home equity line of credit, which is gonna allow them to keep their first mortgage term, still access their home's equity. We don't get paid to write a home equity line of credit. So guess what happens when you call your mortgage broker and ask for a, an equity line of credit? What they're gonna do if, if they maybe don't have your interest, they're not, they don't, they're not being a good steward of their fiduciary responsibility to you. Mm -hmm. um, they might talk you out of a home equity line of credit um, there's actually banks all around that are giving their loan officers scripts right now to terrify the consumer about taking something that's attached to the prime rate. Because if you watch the news, the prime rate is being um, increased in order to combat the runaway inflation that, by the way, was never transitory. It's a total Ponzi scheme. Um, so, so, Joanna, really quick. Yeah. I, I just I don't want you to forget. We have a little bit over a minute left. We have oh. still got a question. Yes, go go for it, Paul. I, you were talking of something about the fifty thousand a year to, that someone's going to pay your home, the five hundred thousand dollar home. I completely that that track just kind of can you. So everybody, when they buy a home, they need to have a down payment, and with rent being so high, people might have fantastic credit. They're paying their bills, but they don't have the ability to save up ten to twenty thousand dollars to invest in a down payment and closing costs. So there's a program out there with California Housing Finance Agency that a mortgage broker has access to where it's a grant. Mm -hmm. So it's something where they're gonna give you 10% as your down payment and to cover closing costs. And that money that they give you, a grant means that after a certain period of time, you don't have to repay the money. Right. Is that only in California? That particular home equity builder is only in California. However, each state has their own housing finance agency with similar programs. And then there are some nationwide programs. So there's over like 65 different first time home buyer programs, which is where I made my come up in the industry. So um, you want your mortgage broker to be able to articulate to you the different types and show you the different loan estimates because we shouldn't be selecting the loans that you take. We should be giving you the data in the form of loan estimates, telling you the good and the bad about it and letting you decide what programs can work best for your family.